Hello, and welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jana Hill. And I'm Elias Rosner. Excelsior? Excelsior. It's been so long since we've checked in with, like, modern Marvel, I uh, I, I kind of forgot what we were doing for a second there. I mean, fortunately, um, to to talk about modern Marvel, we simply must read comic books as they come out. A simple thing that is not hard to do, right? Uh, yeah, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I, I've gotten the same plague as you. I also have been cursed by needing to play Zelda. Yeah. Longtime listeners will know that I used to read every single book as it came out to stay abreast for this podcast and just like last year kicked me in the teeth and how long had you been doing that for how many years of marvel for marvel a long time because while technically like i wasn't keeping up to date issue by issue i was trade by trade when it came out in 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 the library Mm -hmm. so seven or eight years and i guess technically i still am because once it pops over to marvel unlimited and i can read like six issues at a time i'll read all six issues (laughs) I'm, the only time I kept up with nearly everything that Marvel was publishing was maybe from like 2009 to 2013, maybe 14. Mm, not their best era. Or is that the... No, not their best era. It's not their best era, but there's a lot of like uh, hidden gems, some of which we've covered on this very podcast. That we have. Annihilation stuff came out in that time. The, that all the weird little villain series that I like were coming out around them. They they enjoyed giving people random mini series that probably sold well enough. Well, that's the advantage to when you're reading every single book is you know which like of the secret mini series are actually kind of awesome. Mm. Right, like yeah. nobody remembers Modox Eleven when you're looking at the most essential Marvel books, but I know that that it's the most essential Marvel book. You're right. It is. Yeah, no it's question. like it's. It's critical to the whole fabric of the universe, and yet uh, people would skip it because they weren't reading every comic book in 2012 when that book came out. For shame. For shame. But so that kind of tells me a little bit about uh, my my next question, which is how Marvel's been for you, which it sounds like Marvel has been mixed for you. It has. It has not been nearly as compelling as it was a while back. Like. It's one thing if a lot of the books were pretty good and I was just like overwhelmed with the number of books, but there are enough books that I reach the end of what I'm reading. I'm like, I have to read this right away. And then there are a bunch of books where I'm like, I could wait. I could wait. And then I try to catch up. Like, I haven't read a Captain America book since it relaunched. I dipped in and out of that. Yeah. Like, I think I read the first issue, but then I haven't caught up and... I haven't really felt the need to. Um, I've definitely read a few mainstay stinkers. Such as? Oh, well... Uh, Thor and Hulk. Although, yeah, see, I haven't read any Thor and Hulk since uh, since the famous runs of those ended. Yeah, although Thor... I caught up almost entirely so that I could have enough of a, a prelude to, to uh, what Torin Gronbeck has been doing. Because um, she became essentially the main writer. Donny Cates just disappeared from the book. They do this sometimes. I remember there was like a year when Rick Remender and Jason Aaron were writing a lot of comics, and then they just kind of vanished, and a bunch of other guys were suddenly writing their titles. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. 
I th- I thought it, and everyone kept billing it as you know just a break. And like he showed up again in the credits of one issue for like a co-writing credit. I was like, this is weird. This is very weird. That is, I mean, yeah, the behind the scenes stuff. We never truly know what's going on. Yeah. And like, if comic writers' life is as chaotic, their work life is as chaotic as mine has been. I, I work oh, in God. film and TV. As of time of recording this podcast, writer strike still going strong. Mm-hmm. Just like most, turn- most likely when this episode releases, writer strike will be going strong. Just like in this crumbling American economy, uh, I understand comic writers suddenly might have their schedules flip flop unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah, it, it does not surprise me. Um. So, like, uh, generally, how would you characterize the state of Marvel that you have been keeping up with? Like, what's what seems essential to you and what seems kind of be taking the backseat? What's the tone of the line as a whole? Hmm. Well, Spider-Man still is pretty central. I think I think the spy the Spidey stuff has been like the Spidey and adjacent books have all been very good and very interesting. Venom, Carnage, Hellcat. Well, Spider-Man, and then there was that Mary Jane and Black Cat mini that I was sad was only a mini. Gold Goblin. Gold Goblin. That was a mini as well. You read Gold Goblin? I read Gold Goblin. It was pretty good. I mean, we're going to we're gonna check in with um, Spider-Man as a whole, uh, just like the whole Spider-Line in a moment. But um, Spider-Man's essential. We just got to the end of Jason Aaron Avengers, and so, like, um, Avengers, what that is is kind of shipping, ship, shape-shifting. Yeah, actually, a lot of things are ending right right now. Like this, that's kind of what I feel like. Right, this there's a maybe not changing of the guard, but there's a, a shifting tides. Uh, as you know, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil comes to a close. As you know, that Thor run I was talking about starting to to wind down. Captain Marvel's coming to a close. Um, Avengers just got relaunched. All sorts of stuff. We're getting the fall of X soon. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's weird. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's not that weird to have like a season finale clearing the deck for uh, a new season of Marvel. This happens every few years. Yeah, but we haven't had one in a while. And it's kind of because it's all kind of happening at once. And yeah, well, it, they're also they're doing that thing again where there were a bunch of series that were billed nebulously as ongoing. Like, I don't think they ever called it that, but they never clearly stated this is five issues. And then they ended at five issues, which drives you and me crazy. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. OK, just as a couple of titles that I know, um, I, I don't think I don't have time set aside to talk about, but just other things that I have been keeping up with. I'm reading Iron Man right now. Have you kept up with that book at all? No, I haven't, actually. That's I Am Iron Man, right? Uh, is that the title of it? It's the one that's written It's written by Jerry Duggan. I think so. It's the autobiography of Tony Stark, who is the first storyline? No, I have not read it yet. That's one of the ones I'm behind on. Well, so that's worth checking out. And one th- interesting thing is because Duggan is so central to what's going on in X-Men, um, a lot of the X... The um the main conflict has become about X Men villain Phi Long mm-hmm. buys Tony Stark's company for the you know a bad guy for the upteenth time, and but he's using it to build Stark Sentinels. Ooh, and so it's like we're getting the story of Tony Stark trying to like keep his name from being used this way, and for his uh, machines to be used to do uh, hate crimes, 
And I'm over in X-Men, we're never going to know of his little quiet struggle. It's kind of like a, a nice little um, other side of, of the coin story. I've been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. For sure. On the flip side, though, I feel like I never have been committed to what's been going on with Doctor Strange, and it's still not doing much for me. Oh, I disagree. I re- I'm really enjoying what, what McKay has been doing with Doctor Strange. It's a little weird. It's a little out there. It's always kind of fun. He's kind of made it a team book now. Yeah, I feel like we've, we've been uh, kind of going around in circles within that book, though. Like, uh, yeah, I agree. Do we say Clea or Clea? I say Clea. Is it like Clea Duval? Uh, no. I have no idea. You know the lesbian icon Clea Duval? Is she related to Shelley Duval? I don't know. That'd be crazy if she was. Uh, but she's in But I'm a Cheerleader. She had a very memorable turn on Veep. I have seen none of these things. Um, she showed up in Poker Face recently. Well, that that that's why I have not seen that yet. Oh, well, lesbian icon uh, Clea Duval. Oh, she was on Better Call Saul in like a weird little small role. You're, you're just pointing out all of the, the little TV holes I've got. I guess we're going to have to go on like a Clea Duval marathon. That's awesome. That'd be a great set of films and shows. <laughs> yeah, Clea Strange. I feel like... Um, the 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 beats of the story have been so predictable and uninteresting to me like doctor strange dying and then clea becoming the sorcerer supreme for like a little while and taking on his last name which seems like shruggingly regressive to me <laughs> like what's the point mm. except to call the book strange with no honorific i guess and like and like if you're going that way you might as well lead in and call it mrs strange just like fucking <laughs> commit to it if you're if you want to go there i say I, I would put a more full-throated argument against that, but sadly the book was almost entirely about getting do- getting uh, Stephen back. and Exactly. The whole book was about getting him back. It was focused on him, and then he ended up being both the antagonist and the mechanism of his own re- resurrection. Yeah. Didn't love that. I didn't love that either, and then having her stick around and them kind of doing this married couple thing, it's just like I... While I kind of like McKay's characterization of Clea as being, like, this uh, bloodthirsty uh, alien who doesn't fit in with our, like, petty human morality. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a fun characterization. I would take a whole book of that, but I don't like the her being married to him and what they've been doing with the Sorcerer Supreme. That's all been nothing to me. Yeah, I can see that. I'm enjoying... That's one of the ones you're keeping up with, though. Yeah, well, I'm enjoying the banter. I'm... I... I'm keeping up with pretty much all of McKay's work at this point. Yeah. And it's, I think Strange didn't really know what to do with its concept as much as it did. And the new mm-hmm. Doctor Strange thing, having kind of that that back and forth has helped the book. I still wish that, you know, Clea had been more doing her own thing. But I like also the slant that she kind of sees steven as sort of her property too yeah and like that's part of her mindset she's like well because she's daughter of dormammu and got all the dark dimension stuff like she doesn't want to let steven go like she's like no 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 this this won't stand he's mine I will certainly concede that um, Cleo was a character who I always kind of, I liked her design and I liked where she was positioned in the story. Mm -hmm. But like, if I was going to tell you what she was like to make like a whole solo series, I couldn't have done that before this. And I really feel like uh, this is a good personality for her that that sticks. Apparently we're getting a movie with Benedict Cumberbatch and Charlize Theron. Like I would want to see Charlize Theron play this Jed McKay character. For sure. 
That's also that's like a movie. I will see if they ever make a movie like that. This is my new pet peeve. Is um new pet peeve. This has been my pet peeve for years. Is I hate things that end with a setup for a thing they don't know if they're making yet. Yeah, that is quite annoying. I just caught up on Picard, and that ended with the, like this like trailer for a show about all these uh, background characters on Picard being on a ship together. And I was like, oh, can I watch that as a show? And no, they're not making it. They just wanted me to know that I could dream of what. Fuck them. That's terrible. <laughs> One corner of Marvel that has been so strong for oh, 20, 30, 50 years is um, Daredevil. H- has it been strong for that long? Point to me to the uh, one of the real uh, whiffs of a Daredevil run. Who, where are the bad runs? Well, I was going to say Daredevil was considered like as you know an F-tier character for much of the late 90s, early 2000s, and then it got a nice kick in the pants with uh, Marvel Knights. But yeah, but what but what's this period of uh, considered to be a lesser property? Are we talking like 96 to 2000? Because that's a very narrow window. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay, so Daredevil had like a, a weird four-year run. That was when he was like wearing the armor and shit. Yeah. I don't even remember who was writing it. Whoever was writing it after Anne Nesenti and before Bendis. That's the gap, I guess, where I don't know if it's good. Mm-hmm. But Anasenthi was writing it in the early 90s, and Bendis was writing it as early as, like, 2004. Well, when was Marvel... Enough that it showed up in Marvel Knights, because that's where they shunted all of their less popular characters. Maybe the runs were good, but they weren't popular. And we're talking about contemporary Marvel, but my point is Daredevil is one of Marvel's most consistent characters. I feel yeah. like there's a very small number of, like, truly irredeemable Daredevil runs. And Chip Zdarsky's has been maybe my definitive run. <laughs> it's still going on. It has been so good for so long. It's kind of amazing. It's really, he's just doing, like, a greatest hits of every good Daredevil story, and his version is, like, cleaner and beautifully written and exciting and surprising. Gorgeously drawn. Gorgeously drawn by uh, Marco Cicchetto primarily, and then a bunch of other wonderful friends. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have more to say about it. I think we've said so much so far uh, about Zdarsky and Co.'s time with the the sad catholic boy uh the, the book is ending and then is Zdarsky yeah. going fully over to dc for a while i don't know i think so i don't think he's got any other characters coming up i i really hope we bring chip back one day to do a his like a real spider-man run i don't know he's he keeps saying that he's like i don't think i want to he's oh like, my god i kind of did a lot of my spider-man stuff and it would feel weird. I call bullshit. So I, every comic book writer said that they weren't going to... Remember when Kieran Gildan wasn't going to come back to Marvel? And now he's just doing X-Men? Yeah. They, they always say they're not coming back. Jonathan Hickman wasn't going to come back. Yeah, that's true. They always come back. Maybe he was just talking about at the time that the new Spider-Man writer was coming in. And maybe in 10 years he'll have, a, he'll have some good ideas. That's, that's all I'm saying. It could be 10 years from now. I just hope he gets to... He, I think he's got that run in him. I think I think okay. it'll be good. Yeah. I guess Daredevil we've talked about. And the other thing, we, we talk about X-Men far too much on this, but the X-Men line remains really strong. It's one of the strongest lines of any comics in comics right now. Yeah, for sure. It's about to get shaken up too, or around the time of this other shakeup stuff. And I'm only mentioning it because like with Iron Man, the X-Men stuff has now become really the spine that's supporting a lot of the other Marvel books. Yeah, I think it's also supporting most of Marvel at this point. 
how many X-Men books are coming out? A whole 15? lot, but I was... I checked the sales charts before we uh, got together today, just so I had something to say about, uh, intelligently about it. And um, really, while the X-Men books are doing consistently really well, um, Spider-Man's outperforming them all the time. That doesn't shock me. Including Venom stuff, and even Thor oh. stuff has outperformed some X-Men stuff. Wow. And Avengers wow. continues to sell surprisingly well. <laughs> it's that movie. It gave it the cultural cachet. I have friends who read comic books, and no, uh, you know... Uh, Present company excluded. No one's keeping up with Avengers books. I don't know. That might change. Anyway, we teased it earlier, but uh, what the hell is going on in Spider-Man? There's like a zillion books. It's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. And and it's not like four different Spider-Man books with different adjectives. Like web of, adjectiveless, amazing, friendly neighborhood, spectacular. None of those. We've got Amazing Spider-Man, and then we've got whatever the fuck Dan Slott is doing. I have not read a single issue of that. I haven't been reading it either, but all right, I dipped it in it just to see what was going on, and it's um, it's a Spider-Verse-y thing. Yeah, I, so I had no con- interest. Well, it can be like a low continuity, here's just a bunch of Spider-Men doing a Dan Slott book. I like Dan Slott books, and I might ever read it, but like I don't feel deeply compelled to continue. Yeah, so, but yeah, we've, as I was mentioned before there's a carnage book which might be over and then venom we got hollows eve which is <laughs> i know you love hollows eve i love hollows eve so much <laughs> <laughs> we got mary jane and black cat um we got let's see i'm looking through my list seeing what other spider-man books are i, I listed them before venom i'm not um gold goblin i'm not keep I'm not keeping up with a lot of these uh, ancillary titles. Yeah, most of them were, were like miniseries. Like Hollow's Eve is going to be a five issue. They've announced that. Uh, Carnage, I think, was an ongoing. I don't know if it's over or if it's you know just taking a break because come summer, there's the fall of the Venomverse or something. I'm not keeping up with any of that. What does fall of Venomverse even mean? I don't know. And I honestly don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being totally, totally like blunt, but Venom, the book itself is actually really good. Yeah. What, what's it even about now? Who is Venom? Is Eddie Brock even in the book? Yes. So it's about Eddie and his son. Uh, and the book is kind of split between their two perspectives and it's co-written by Al Ewing and Ram, Ram V. So they take turns. I do love both those guys. Yeah, and they're doing good stuff, and it's both, like, kind of this philosophical look at Eddie Brock, like, who is he, what, what is it, you know, really taking his new role and running with it, and then this more, like, action thriller psychological drama with Eddie's son, Dylan. There we go. I was like, Dylan and the Venom symbiote, they're together, and then... Eddie's kind of on his own dealing with time travel shenanigans and like trying to escape fate. And I, I, I started these series. Yeah, I guess I didn't feel compelled to continue on. You know, my favorite Venom series ever wasn't even about Eddie Brock. It was about Flash Thompson. So, well, that 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 answers your question about uh, why you're not interested in this. You probably just don't find Eddie very compelling. Yeah, I mean, I always I mean, I like that he's like a sad sack dirt bag. That's like a fun hook. Yeah, and that's also, that's kind of part of it. Like, he keeps getting broken down and built back up, and they're playing with a lot of fun things. I'm enjoying it immensely. It's a great sci-fi book. 
I do like how they've united all... I like that the Venom mythology really got built up because he was always a pretty one-note character of the type of stories you could use him in. Mm-hmm. And now, like, um, the, he's got relationships with Thor and and the Sentry. <laughs> oh, the Sentry. Okay, but, like, the main Spider-Man book... Um, what what is like uh we're still it's still about the bad thing that peter parker did and why mary jane can't forgive him that's kind of the the main through line would you say uh yes ha- are you completely caught up uh, we could talk about it like did you read issue 25 i think so okay well th- that's why i'm hesitant i'm like yes it is about like peter parker not really breaking bad but just kind of crumbling under the stress of what had happened and the very bad thing. But the very bad thing is less something Peter did and more circumstances, I guess. Right. Well, makes it more interesting to me. I guess I kind of, uh, I predicted as much. Yeah. I mean, dancing around it for those who have not read it. Issue 25. We're, we're, in the midst of the arc that's answering the questions of what was going on at the beginning of Zeb Wells' Spider-Man run. Like, why is Mary Jane with this other person? Who are these kids? And all of that. Uh, And, you know, in classic superhero fashion, time travel, not time travel, but, like, dimensional bullshit is involved. And Spider-Man, they're basically sucked to another dimension. Spider-Man gets separated, sent back to the real world. He gets back in two days later, and it's a few years later for Mary Jane. Sure. And yeah, that yeah, causes this rift. I don't know. I can like uh, I've seen Peter Parker get put into another dimension and come back and it's been a few years like loads of times. Maybe I just really like this story. Like I like Castaway in Dimension Z and everyone hates that book. I, I certainly hate that book. But yeah, I guess the, the I, I think Sam Wells is a hell of a writer. I think some of the artists have been to my liking. But um <laughs> The book, I, I, I just, uh, I don't find that central, that central hook is so melodramatic and it's not enough of a plot driver for me. And the answer ended up being kind of predictable too. So I just like was uh, that question. Oh, I, I predicted it would be kind of something like this and I'm not that surprised, but I do really like the Randy Robertson is getting married to uh, the Beatle. Yeah. That's a fun, like moving the plot forward of Spider-Man characters because like the um the other stuff feels like we're going in, it's like stuff we've done before i know it's not gonna stick we're going in circles but like randy marrying janice is could is like a real uh status quo going forward that i can see uh existing and being really compelling we can get cool stories out of this yeah and i mean i kind of hope that as much as i like I, I like peter and mary jane together and i want god i just want his status quo to be a little bit consistent Mm-hmm. I'm. I miss married Peter Parker. Me too. I, don't I like married. Peter honestly, Parker. care who he's married to. I miss the married Peter Parker status quo. I agree. So if him and Black Cat works out, great. A plus. Keep it sticking. If he and Mary Jane get back together, great. If they introduce someone new, even better. I, I'm cool with someone new. Yeah, I guess I want something new with Spider Man, and I feel like. Th- it, this feels like Zeb Wells is really shooting a shot saying his definitive statement on Spider-Man, and I, I'm kind of shrugging at it, his definitive statement. Yeah, I wonder if he's pulling on some of the stuff that he wanted to do back when he was writing it during the brand new day era. 
That was the, I loved that stuff. That stuff was really strong. So we'll we'll see. And, uh, indeed, you know, now that you mention it, uh, the brand new day proceeds from. Um, if we ever read that comic, Peter Parker returning from an alternate dimension type situation and finding out that J. Jonah Jameson is mayor. Mm. That's how that starts. Oh, that's fun. It is fun. But also, uh, you, you know, I've seen Peter Parker in an alternate dimension and time has gone. Uh, I've seen it a lot of times. Yeah. And that wasn't what was com- kind of compelling about the whole thing. It was the franticness of it all and how he kind of burns every bridge in the process. It is a really great control of tone, and um, I do like. I like this mode of Peter Parker being a desperate loser, everything stacked against him. Mm-hmm. On paper, that sounds great. You're just not loving the execution. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's just melody. It doesn't feel definitive to me. It feels kind of just like um, like wheel spinning until we can really do something crazy. Yeah, we'll see what the next big crazy thing is. Apparently, there was a leak for. I haven't looked up. I don't know anything about it. And I didn't want to. And by the time this episode is out, I think one of the issues that people were talking about will actually be out. But I haven't read it yet. We haven't read it yet. I think it's issue 26 or 27. Uh, I don't know nothing about no leaks. Yeah, the, like the, the August previews had leaked early and some someone had leaked. I don't know the synopsis or, or like the events of the most recent issue where there's going to be a major change or something and people got very mad. But I haven't looked into any of the details because I don't want to know till I read the issue. Because every time one of these things happens, like the Punisher is head of the hand, everyone gets angry, and then we read the book, and it's different from what we all thought it was going to be, whether that's for better or for worse. By the way, really enjoying that book still. Really enjoying uh, Punisher ahead of the hand. Right? I just I can't, can't believe how good it is. Compelling story. Really good. So we'll see. We'll see. Marvel Marvel's uh, PR enjoys the taste of foot. I mean, Marvel's PR seems like it's a different person every couple of months. It probably is. And that tells you a whole story there. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a quick break and then we'll come back to a bunch of Marvel books? Hopefully I'm more excited about because I feel yeah. like I was uh, really talking smack about a bunch of Marvel books that are fine. <laughs> but we're going to we're going to head out and we're going to come back and then we're going to talk some Avengers. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and welcome back we're you know breaking down all the stuff we've been reading at marvel talking what's good what's not so good uh we just finished talking about spidey and now we get to fight about avengers maybe i don't know fight about avengers you say well, i mean that's what do they do they fight and then they become friends and then they become avengers and then they get sucked into another dimension because they got the mad weary that's not the Avengers. That's the Eternals, and you know it. And I never need to talk about the Eternals again, <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> Cersei was a ter- an Eternal for a hundred issues. You mean an Avenger? Cersei was an Avenger for a hundred issues. She was also an Eternal for at least a hundred issues. You know what? Now that you mention it, that you're right. That's true. She has been an Eternal for at least a hundred issues. But only a hundred. A hundred too many, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a new um, Avengers run that started. Jason Aaron's big run ended. And... Um, do you already, do you feel like this new run is like a holdover run until they're ready to do something for real? Or do you feel like this is like a big statement? I think it's supposed to be, well, I don't know if it's supposed to be a big statement run, but I think it's definitely one that they'd like to stay. I mean, it could be like Jed has pitched a one or two year story and that's it. And they were like, great. And then they'll find someone else. But... I, I'm not really getting a feeling either way. Yeah. Okay. So um, this new run by J- your your guy Jed McKay, mm-hmm. your guy and mine. I like Jed McKay quite a bit. Starts and it's like a real back to basic Avengers. But I gotta say, he really writes the crap out of a basic Avengers team. Yeah. I you really get why everyone's on the team, and he's got like a great sense of. I like that in the first issue he was already talking about like um, Avengers bylaws and just like all this like a. Uh, <laughs> He was talking about the organization and it felt like a real organization and not in a way that the Justice League feels. The Avengers always seem kind of paramilitary and scary. Mm-hmm. And here it really you really got the feeling that all the superheroes sat down and they did their best to come up with like bylaws of how superheroing should work. I do love me some good bylaws. Yeah, you're a, a noted lover of bylaws. Yeah. I wonder if that's the right direction for them or if it's just kind of like codifying the feeling of the Avengers just becoming the Justice League. Well, you know, the Justice League wants to be the Avengers. The Avengers wants to be the Justice League. It's the way it's always been. Mm. But um, I I, like uh, in the issue, for example, um, Captain Marvel is elect uh, Carol Danvers is elected like the chairperson of the Avengers, which is kind of like the team leader. And we keep like a very traditional lineup, but you see her thinking about like superhero power strategy, which I like. And you also just like get a little bit about like apparently the Avengers have like an internal phone app that all Avengers in good standing can vote for who they think the leader should be, which is an interesting (laughs) contrast to the X-Men right now, too. Right. Yeah. I bet they were inspired by that. But that feels like a good for I, I like that direction for superhero teams led as democracies um, and like existing as a bunch of good guys trying to do good stuff and not like weird military industrial complex shit. Mm. And it's a, it's an improvement to me. Um, and then I had spoilers for issue one. We find out that the, the bad guy's Kang. And is everything with Kang kind of weird and tainted right now? Or is that just me? Uh... I don't know. Kang just has never been particularly interesting to me. Can I talk Kang for a minute? Please do. Kang never has been a good villain. Like, um, I dare somebody to point me to what is the good Kang story from prior to, like, 2010, say. I think most people would point you to Kurt Busiek's time on Avengers. I've read Kurt Busiek's Avengers. He does, Kurt Busiek really sells the threat of Kang. Kang seems like a big deal when he shows up. Mm-hmm. But it's not the best story in that run. It's not, it's like not, it's not even, it's whatever. Yeah, but if that's the best Kang story. So I would say that the best Kang story is um, his appearances in the um, early 2010s cartoon Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I mean, that show seemed to do every arc better than the comics ever could. 
Um, who wrote that? Wasn't like a it wasn't Chris I Christoph think Chris Yost? Yost. Yeah, Chris Chris Yost. I think uh, Zeb Wells might have written an episode or three. Oh, I believe it. Um, but yeah, that show was great. That show did a good Kang, and um, Kang always seemed like he should be a big deal because control of time seemed like master of time seems important. And he shows up to play that role in some stories, like memorably. However, how? Yeah, just he's never there. There's still we still haven't told the great Kang story. Um, he was pretty cool in Hickman's Avengers, you know. He was in Hickman's Avengers. Yeah, and the time runs out arc. He kind of was like the host of the arc. He like was leading Captain America through all the different time periods. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty cool. But like, yeah, he didn't drive the story. He just like played a, or he he just had like a function to play. Yeah, he was just kind of there. We got the MCU coming out, and Jonathan Majors uh, debuts a performance as Kang the Conqueror in the Loki TV show, unexpectedly and very charismatically. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, oh, wow, that's kind of exciting. And then Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania, a film I still have not seen, uh, but it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, comes oh, it finally out to... dropped? Yeah, I saw it there the other day when I was watching Star Wars All stuff. Right, do you want to hate watch it? <laughs> yeah, I'd hate watch it with you. I'd hate watch it with you. But, but uh, yeah, Kang is the bad guy in that movie. And from what I understand, it is a very different and more dour performance than the charming one Majors gave in Loki. Yeah, because isn't it supposed to be like a different Kang because of what happened in loki yeah 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 or whatever but it turns out that the thing that happened was they made the character they from fun to unfun is what it sounds like i haven't seen it so i guess i so should basically have... they made him more like his comics counterpart and that was not good right and in addition to that movie being a stinker um jonathan majors in his personal life has been uh, arrested for uh, some sort of domestic violence crimes and while there's a lot of investing like i don't know the full extent of stories that's just like, at the very least, not what you want hanging off of your new major villain for your big, like, mo- uh, popular movie franchise, of course. And indeed, um, every one of uh, Jonathan Major's, like, public partners, including a bunch of, like, commercials he made, um, parted ways with him. And Disney was the notable holdout because they're clearly in, like, crisis management mode. Mm-hmm. And so it's so weird because... Kang's presence in the new Avengers comic definitely seems inspired by his um, expected prominence in the film series. But due to like how poorly received he was creatively and now also the actor might be going to jail for crime. The uncertainty of that makes makes it that much hard for me to buy into a new Kang story. It's just like, oh, really? We're, We're doing this? I mean, it is what it is, unfortunately. I just don't expect them to seal the deal with this Kang stuff. I just, like, they introduced him as the villain, and I got a feeling they're going to backpedal, or they're going to quietly, um, McKay is going to do a transition run, and then someone else is going to do it next. It's possible. They gave it to Kieran Gillen and just say, fucking go crazy. What else is there to do with the Avengers? I don't know. No, well, from, again, I don't know how much is 100% truth. Tom Brevort, I read his newsletter... He's often Mm -hmm. answering Marvel questions. He's answering editorial questions because he's been there for 30 some odd years. And I met him in a bar once. He was a decent guy. Oh, you you met everyone at a bar. (laughs) I used to hang out at a lot of bars in my early 20s when I was working in comics. (laughs) It's just the comics bar. It was that uh, Doctor Who bar in Brooklyn. Uh, The way the way station, it's called. That's fun. Okay. So, I, and I, I'm a notable Doctor Who detractor, but uh, my friends all <laughs> liked it at the time. You do what you got to do. 
You got to find the nerd bar somewhere. Yeah, and that's that was the big one in Brooklyn back when I wanted to do big stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it sounds like McKay is is was picked because of his pitch and is kind of here to stay. But I also don't know if he was just saying that because he's like, well, what we wanted was a shorter run. You know, what if we wanted was this this holdover run instead of the big, you know, multi-year, 60-issue bonanza that Jason Aaron had? Yeah, and 60 issues feels kind of like, like uh, that seems, next to some of the other big Marvel work that's been going on next to that Avengers book, that seems pretty tame in comparison. 60 issues? Yeah. Really? Um, 60 issues is way less than Jason Aaron's own Thor that he had just completed. I guess that's true. And it's less than, like, most of the big X stuff that's happened since X stuff got big. Mm. Just in terms of how many issues there are to contribute to the story. Because what I, oh, oh, I guess oh, oh, my... Oh. I see what you mean. I thought you meant, like, individual numbers on titles. No, 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 yeah, numbers on titles, whatever. I'm talking, like, um, there are rel- relatively few issues of uh, Avengers compared to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so the story of what's happening in Spider-Man seems more central to the Marvel story. Stuff like uh, Kingpin being mayor didn't really come up that much in the Avengers book. Yes. But that was in, like, so many comics, and it permeated so many characters and lives. Just all I'm trying to express with the Avengers is, as of yet, it doesn't seem like it's going— it doesn't seem to be reclaiming the the title of, like, the leader of the rest of the universe. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. Like, it, it's working to be—well, it's working to be more like a classic Avengers book, which is that, that soap that's kind of there and is yeah, doing good work, but not, like— ratcheting things up it's a soap and it used to not be the a-list heroes and now that they want their a-list heroes to be on the avengers uh it's got to be like the justice league because that Mm. is what the justice league is the avengers used to be the heroes who weren't cool enough to support their own book i gotcha i kind of wish we had a book like that team book that has a bunch of the b-listers yeah i mean here and there we usually do thunderbolts often hmm Right, that that last run of Thunderbolts, uh, usually when Al Ewing was doing an alt-Avengers title that had a bunch of B-listers that ruled. That's true. He always He's always bringing, bringing stuff like that in. But you're right, it's, um, it's not a, it's kind of a, a drought of, like, team of deep-cut characters. Yeah. Well, speaking of less deep-cut characters, but another movie tie-in, I guess. Yeah, that's a, kind of a weird circumstance yeah guardians finally got relaunched and uh it was not what we were expecting and we were at least i was pretty down on the team and pretty down on the creative team or the the team in the oh no the the creative team the team in the book is the movie people yeah they are the movie people it's the movie people we've gotten no variation on that i think nova no nova's not in that nova's off with with al ewing being good yeah i've liked all of nova's appearances yeah. this guardian book i what i one thing i'll say for it is it's got a really strong sense of style in a way that i really dig actually yes and unlike a lot of previous of i feel like a lot of the guardians runs lately mm-hmm. have opened with um uh the guardians are doing like a quote unquote fun heist and then a bunch of, and then we're just like in spaceships a lot having drama mm-hmm. and this book right from the get-go like really established the stakes and the scope and the scope is like we're mostly uh, dealing with stuff on one planet and the conflict is affecting a bunch of planets but not every planet it's not another huge invasion it's just that groots are falling every- and like a bunch of places mm-hmm. 
And the scary Groots. Yeah, scary Groots. Scary Groots. I'm interested. That's like a that's a, something to do, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the the plot that just doesn't didn't grab me so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, the first issue did a pretty good job of like telling a com- not a complete story, but you know what I mean, like having a beginning, middle and an end and it didn't feel like part 1 of 6 and with nothing being buttoned up by by the finale like they told it was an entire quote-unquote adventure it was it stood alone on its on it uh, stood on its own and you know it did all the things it should have done it just didn't grab me i think in part because whatever it is with the the writing team's dialogue it's just very flat that's I I will concede that's the weakest element of it. I I think the plot and the costumes and the yeah um and the conflict and the ideas are strong, but yeah, the dialogue isn't isn't quite sparkling. Yeah, you you need good banter in this kind of a book in this kind of a team, and it's just it's not there. It, it drags the pacing down. I I think that's I think there's probably something to that. Yeah, but it sounds like you you've been enjoying it. Yeah, it's a fun change of pace. I um I've actually since Bendis left the book, I've enjoyed more runs of Guardians than not. But I unlike with Avengers, that's doing this like uh, questionable wisdom back to basics approach, and Spider Man Two actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this book is almost telling you don't worry about like who the Guardians are and what they're going to do years from now. This story is here. It's now. It's in this system. We're we're here to have fun with the with the characters as they are now, and not like build something. We're doing our space western. Yeah, and it's a western, and everyone's wearing ponchos, and everything's a little bit grubby, and they don't have like access to like cool, uh, central, powerful stuff. They're kind of mm-hmm. like uh, scrapping on their own. I also think that the characterization of Star Lord, it's not very like man child Chris Pratt, and it's very he's been superheroing for a long time, and uh, he's and he's tired. We're kind of getting back to the uh, OG Guardians feel. Yeah, at least in terms of uh, of tone. And I like mm-hmm. the self-contained nature of it. So I'm having like a pretty good time with it. But just because it feels kind of uh, fresh and confident and it knows what it wants to do. And I, I'm here to let it try. Yeah, I've got nothing against this one. I'm, I'm, I'll stick with it. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll grow on me in subsequent issues. I mean, I'm also in, like, a big sci-fi place. I've been uh, enjoying some Star Wars comics, too. I am sadly behind on every single Star Wars book. I keep meaning to get back up, but... What's stopping you? Like, I I, I think there's something to this. Well, I had caught up with all of the books at the end of last year, beginning of the year, and then I got busy, and then I just didn't pick up... There's so many miniseries and ancillary titles, and even though, like, I wanted to pick up the main title, and, like, I'm itching to get back at Darth Vader, I just haven't picked up an issue. I know as soon as I start with Darth Vader, I'm gonna just blow through everything that's out there. I mean, I can confirm that's true. Uh, The Darth Vader book does rule, and you know what? The main Star Wars book also rules. Yeah, and Charles Soule always does good stuff there, but a lot of the rest of the books... I could take or leave Bounty Hunter because I could really leave. Dr. Afra has been okay to good, but it's not a book that I, I read an issue and I go, I need to read the next one. And so I just haven't been. And I just look at all of the Star Wars books and I go, but, but, but because there's a crossover, I need to read them all. But I'm not interested in those half of the others. 
That's that's really interesting because I've been experiencing that as well. I dropped off all the Star Wars books and I was even enjoying some of the Crimson Dawn stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was reading and enjoying a bunch of the um, the High Republic stuff. But then they started like splintering all that into 100 different miniseries. Damn it. Yeah, and it just it gets too hard to follow, and I completely agree. Like, the crossover stuff and the bounty hunters and who's this character, and the way that they um, have to do the really, like, blatant commercial thing where the character shows up and they say their whole story in their series to get you to read it. Yep, and then there was that tie-in to the ride that was, like, real bad. Yeah, and I, they just, like, uh, they canceled their expensive hotel, I heard. Just, like, uh, all, the, all of these crass business decisions interfering with the comic series is definitely pulling it down, which is also kind of bringing X-Men down, right? Like, it's getting to the point where I have to really... I was a little bit confused about the the New Mutants series changing names. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why bother? Yeah, and I'm trying to keep up with it, and uh, I'm having difficulty. I can't imagine somebody who's doing this just for fun mm-hmm. doesn't have a fucking podcast to worry about. But yeah, the Star Wars stuff has been exploring the period between empire and jedi and uh, a time when i was a kid we called the shadows of the empire era Mm -hmm. and um it's really cool charles so clearly loves shadows of the empire and he's like riffing on it he's got great ideas and greg pox darth vader book is about what if the uh survivors of the prequels were like middle-aged characters showing up and (laughs) he's got stuff to do with that it's great you're you're correct and i also uh, have nothing but sympathy for your uh difficulties I'm sure I'll catch up eventually. Just got to sit down and do it. That's what I did with Jason Aaron's Avengers. I fell behind and then I read through the rest of it. It's what I did with uh, a couple of the other series. Just got to just got to get get started. Do you have any books that you would give a shout out right now to like be in your um, deep cut hot take favorite book right now? Um, Let's see. You consult your spreadsheet. I gotta you consult my spreadsheet. Nut. You can hear my mouse click for that. Oh yes, I can if I listen. Deep cut. Hmm. Just like a book that you're not hearing everybody uh, talk about that you think actually. I mean, I I think Hallow's Eve, Mary That's Jane, cool Hellcat, one. like these the a bunch of these like mini series that are that are tangentially related to some of the bigger series are really doing some interesting out there work. Like we were talking about before. The, the random villain miniseries, I think we've got a few of those going on, like semi-anti-hero stuff. Like, Hellcat is this, like, kind of dark psychological uh, murder mystery, and it features one of my favorite deep-cut weirdo characters, Sleepwalker. I do love Sleepwalker. Uh, Hallow's Eve is just such a fun continuation of the Beyond stuff, and... Janine Godby's new weird mask-based powers. I love it. I love it so much. I think hmm, the other big one that I would prob- probably say is I mean, Wa- Wasp was pretty good. I didn't love it as much as Ant-Man, the Al Ewing mini. Oh yeah, that that was pretty, that, see, that, that's a cool deep cut. Yeah. Oh, a Secret Invasion. I haven't started that. It was... So good. Ryan North so good. doing like a straight up paranoid thriller. That sounds cool. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it is, it's got levity, but it's not a funny book. Yeah. I'm here for that. I would read that. Yeah. Uh, like I was going to bring up Fantastic Four, but everyone's reading Fantastic Four. 
Well, we hadn't mentioned it, and it's definitely worth me. I wouldn't call it a deep cut either, but Fantastic Four has been out of this, impossibly good. So fun. Mm-hmm. I've also been enjoying um, a couple other things. Uh, Ghost Rider by Donny Cates is my favorite Marvel work he's ever done. Wait, Donny Cates? Did I say Donny Cates? Oh, I'm so sorry. Ben Percy. There we go. I was like, he took over? No, no, no. They merged into one figure in my head. The Ben <laughs> uh, Ben Percy, whose uh, X-Books are better than they've been before, too, right now. Um, mm-hmm. But his uh, Ghost Rider is like gross and weird and groovy and i dig it i've also been reading and liking bloodline daughter of blade oh i haven't read that i haven't started that one i just thought that that was a cool idea and i was reading it and it's totally cool i like um making blade a goofy dad actually make he's not goofy but making blade like an embarrassing dad actually makes the most sense because he's already kind of embarrassing (laughs) and um marvel is constantly searching for a hero they could like make a buffy type character Mm mm-hmm and like a black girl from the American South with a samurai sword and pink hair and vampire powers is like right on the money of what I think they wanted to pull off. So that's called seems successful to me. There and when do we get the bloodline Elsa Bloodstone connection? Ooh. Or better yet, bloodline Cullen Bloodstone, that piece of Ooh. shit. I love Cullen Bloodstone. <laughs> so this is the Midnight Suns book. Uh that should have been sure i yeah doing like uh that air that that sector of the universe can always be uh carved out a little bit more no blade pun intended and i i just i i dig bloodline as a character i know again there's a movie coming out so they're probably gonna like try to ramp up and do some cool blade stuff mm-hmm. and like blade was always blade's always a character who can use some uh some love yeah and the last thing i want to mention is i'm still reading she hulk on the reg and that book is totally great at doing what it is which is what she hulk should always be which is like a fun ally mcbeal working gal in the city drama d i totally forgot that that was still being published because every time i see a new issue i'm like i should read that again and then i just forget it's there and i don't know why because i really enjoyed the the stuff i had read yeah it stays good it's it's consistent it's that tone it's rainbow rowell who i love it's um light and it's bouncy oh, yeah. and um it, it's it's doing the fun shield stuff where she's got superpowers in a place <laughs> where you wouldn't normally expect them to be used does she have a bunch of pantsuits again oh yes she does pantsuits pantsuits before we wrap up for today i thought we could uh briefly take a look at marvel future some books that are coming out that i'm excited for maybe you can add something to the list maybe but before that i actually had one more book that's not really marvel but is miracle man oh yeah that is not really marvel but is miracle man has been it's we finally are getting new material after however many years like we the new series had brand new art and brand new scripts but they were all basically remasters of the original series that never got finished it was either you know, they had finished a couple issues and then they had some of the art for a second and then a script for a f- the fourth or whatever. Um, but we've officially reached the part where no art from that era existed because at the back of every issue they had comparisons like, well, Buckingham did this art in 1994. Here's the updated version from when we were going to be releasing this in 2010. And then here's the new one from 2023 which that part alone I find fascinating. Sure. And it's just been cool to read the conclusion-ish to this Miracle Man series. And I don't know, I'm excited to see this and then the final part of the trilogy that he had been planning 
that game ended yeah, up planning. Yeah, I mean, we, we've known this was coming for like more than ten years now. Yeah. I guess it. I guess I kind of didn't notice it happening. I was still waiting. It's kind of crazy. I I gotta mm-hmm. go read that. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, and I mean, some of Buckingham's best artwork. Every every page is almost a two page spread, but it's got this like it's so ornate and baroque. It's great. This is a hard sell. I like that. this. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So the future. The future. Yes. So I guess this is the first time I'm admitting this on the air. God, after literal years of teasing me and me loyally month after month coming to this podcast and being like any day now, Jonathan Hickman, we're going to find out. G-O-D-S gods is the name of Jonathan Hickman's like whole thing or what we're calling it. But um, they've announced the first issue of it for real. And it is called Ultimate Invasion. Is that wait, wait. I thought Ultimate Invasion was a different project. I believe they are connected. Okay, so you think Ultimate Invasion is going to lead into Gods? Yes, very much I do. Ooh. Because what what is going to happen with the cosmic space that is the Ultimate Universe, I think, is going to be determined by the GODS Gods. Oh, interesting. And specifically, Hickman seems really inclined to want to use in this series Miles Morales for obvious the weirdly most successful and staying character of the ultimate universe which mm-hmm. for most of the life of the ultimate universe is not what people would have guessed no yeah and the maker his personal like pet project version of mr fantastic turned evil i kind of hate the maker and i love the maker and i it's so conflicted every time he shows up on a page yeah why do you say that he's just such uh, i don't i don't know he just see he shows up and i'm like i want to put my fist through this panel but he's always used in such an interesting way and he's this great foil because you're like well what if reed richards was just slightly more amoral and then fell down the rabbit hole yeah i really like see i the one of the things i appreciate is that um hickman's obsession with evil reed richards is kind of like gives away his suspicion that these great men who um think that they're like good enough and important enough to make decisions for the whole world because of their magic hammers and their armor and whatnot Mm -hmm. should never be trusted. The very uh, nature of them doing such a thing, choosing to do that means that these people cannot are like uh, up to no good. Yeah. And I mean, that's a through line through all of his books. Totally. And so that's why I think Mr. The maker has to keep coming back is because uh, the maker is so interesting because True to his name, he's like a self-made man. He's he's a, much like Mr. Sinister. He's like achieving dominion. He wants to become the ultimate expression of a mind. And mm-hmm. He keeps on like expanding his own brain, which is what a dominion is in the X-Men comics, is like physically needing to make you the space of your mind bigger because your mind is getting so huge. <laughs> and then that's what the maker is, right? He literally has like this extended cranium that gets a little bit longer every time we see him. Yeah, yeah. He looks more and more like a xenomorph as we go. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to like graft a second set of teeth to his tongue. I'm into that, sure. Yeah, the freaky maker. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. I agree. Just like I, yeah, I wanted to hear why you were uncomfortable with him, and it's for all the right reasons. And I yeah. think by by design. Uh, also because he still uses the Ultimate Universe font, and I hate that font. I know how much you hate that font. I, hate I that love font so much. You hate it so much that I kind of like it in response. <laughs> I do appreciate that every time he shows up, that font follows him. 
there I think there have been a few instances where it hasn't, but it's been pretty consistent that like when a character from the ultimate universe that isn't Miles Morales shows up, they have that <laughs> font. Yeah. Because Miles has been fully folded into 616. I'm sure this will the font will be explicitly and textually addressed in GODS gods. Almost certainly. Hickman loves to do that kind of stuff. And there's one non-Hickman book that recently was announced that I don't think we've talked about on the air. We briefly texted about it. We haven't, because I think it was announced, like, a couple weeks before we set to record. I am speaking of the recently announced Al Ewing title, Immortal Thor. I am so excited. Yeah, you're so excited. I am so excited. I'm afraid. I'm afraid Al Ewing will do a great job. I'm just very afraid. Because he sounds like he has ambitious plans, and ambitious plans can go awry very quickly what's so interesting to me is that immortal as the adjective was attached to hulk because of like the pitch for that book yes that um the horror of being unable to die being this monster who was unable to die was the starting point and then they you know we got into all sorts of crazy areas Mm -hmm. what's interesting is that thor was like already immortal that adding that word doesn't tell you that much about thor that's kind of assumed Mm mm-hmm but that it so clearly is indicating a mission statement for the book in terms of like tone and um, implied scope. And being the most uh, prominent god character in Marvel, like literal god, I'm so interested in how that's going to connect to like Al Ewing's take on the mythos of like the fabric of the Marvel universe that has come up in uh, ultim- in, in, in Ultimates and in his Defenders books and in Immortal Hulk. We're going to get an Eternals deep cut. Oh my god, I've never been more prepared for an Eternals deep cut, tragically. <laughs> Jesus. And on that note, fucking take me out of here before I start yelling about <laughs> my man Carcass. Where can they find you on the larger interwebs then? You can't find me anywhere, people. Haha. <laughs> Except on uh, Tumblr.com. You can find me at uh, ramblingmoose.tumblr.com. I am also still a contributor to multiversitycomics.com, a pretty great website where you can see me write about stuff. How about you, Elias? You can find me, uh, uh, well, um, I have my Twitter account if it hasn't had the name destroyed by inactivity. I don't know. I haven't logged in in a while. Uh, it's at Quetzalish, maybe Q U E T Z E L I S H, and yeah, you can find me there. You can find me writing here at multiversitycomics.com. Always great. If you want to email me, my email is erosner at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, and next time we're going to be coming back with, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but we think it's time to kind of decompress and and go through like we did for dan slot's uh spider-man not spider-man run uh his fantastic four run we're gonna go through jason aaron's avengers run kind of uh i guess do a oh what's the word for it not decomposition <laughs> decompression a retrospective is how thank I thank you of it. retrospective yeah something i'm looking forward to because um what an odd series which I, we'll consider it in its entirety yeah next time for sure. And uh, before we go, this edited, this episode has been edited by Livian Saphir, and our theme music is Excelsior by Carol Romo. So we'll see you next time. Excelsior.
Thank <laughs> you.